0: Williams wants to fade. Stoops in the end zone for a touchdown, Oklahoma. The Stoops you hear from the crowd could be for father or son. definitely for son after that catch. What's up, Oklahoma fans? Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Uh, Regardless of the basketball loss, the NFL playoff games were fantastic. By the way, quick side note: uh, Tampa Tom going down guarantees that an Oklahoma football player will be on the winning roster for the Super Bowl. So you got Cincinnati, you got Buffalo, Kansas City. They're still playing it out uh, while I'm recording this. Um, you got you got the Rams. All those all those rosters have Oklahoma football players on them. So Tampa Bay going down guarantees Oklahoma. Has at least one representative in the Super Bowl and one representative on the Super Bowl winning team. Um, big, big weekend for Oklahoma basketball just because of the loss over uh, to Baylor, number five in the country. The Sooners go down sixty-five to fifty-one, and really, this this is a game where I, I know you could you could blame officiating for things here and there. Um, the the. The kick in the face was to, to Tanner Groves by, by Matt Meyer was just ridiculous. Uh, that, that whole thing. You want to be mad about that? You have a right to be mad about that? You want to complain to the Big 12 about that? I already did it on Twitter. I tagged him in a couple posts uh, on Saturday during the game. And you're absolutely right. As an Oklahoma fan, you're absolutely right on how bad that was. But at the end of the day, this game was determined by twenty-five turnovers for the Sooners. That that's what it came down to. The Sooners they they left some points on the free throw line, but it was only four. They shot six of ten. They were horrendous from three-point range, five of eighteen. But really, twenty-five turnovers. That that's what that's where you're looking at because you you go back to the you go back to the bad three-point shooting. Baylor wasn't much better at thirty percent. The Sooners played defense very well, held, held the Bears to 42.3% altogether from the floor. Oklahoma grabbed 29 rebounds, which is one more than, than what Baylor did. The Sooners did just about everything right except for take care of the basketball. And when you're playing the number five team in the country and you turn it over 25 times, that typically isn't a recipe for winning a basketball game. And like I said, you can say what you want to about the officiating in this game, and you're most likely going to be right. Unless you say that the officiating cost Oklahoma the basketball game, and that's just not true. I, I just I can't get on board with that when you look at the number of turnovers that Oklahoma had. Now, if you're the Sooners, it's all about moving forward. It, it, it's all about what's next for them, and what's next for them is opportunity. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, what you know is we, we've talked about when you lose at home, you got to pick it up on the road. And that's exactly what happens with Oklahoma on Wednesday night when they travel to Morgantown to play the West Virginia Mountaineers. West Virginia is a beatable team. The Mountaineers sitting at 13-5 overall in the season, 2-4 um, on, on, in Big 12 play. And, and that's a game that Oklahoma can go, they can compete, and they should be in a position to try to get a win in the closing minutes. And you kind of you kind of think maybe is this going to be one of those situations where you just go man if only you could have that that TCU game back if only you could have that overtime loss to to the Horn Frogs there's your two games on the road you you, you already beat TCU that would You know, basically wipe out the Kansas loss at home. If you can go in in Morgantown, that would wipe out the Baylor loss, and you're back to where you need to be to be on track, to be on schedule for finishing 500 in the Big 12. Now, obviously, they're not there. So you got to win at Morgantown. Then you got a really tough one, number two, Auburn's on your schedule. Then you have TCU at home, and your second opportunity comes. On February 5th, when the Sooners play the first round of Bedlam and this one will be in Stillwater. So the opportunity is still there and and nothing's changed from what I said on the on the podcast going into the weekend that I really think you got an Oklahoma team right now that's sitting ninth in the Big 12 out of 10 teams, but. You're tied with Iowa State. You're tied with Kansas State. West Virginia is a half a game ahead of you. So this Oklahoma, this schedule is going to ease up for the Sooners. And I think you're going to see them make a push late in the season to really kind of head into March on on good footing. So I still don't think it's time to panic. I really don't. But there are things that this team has to clean up. There are things that they've got to do better and, and then they've got to move on. They, they, they just can't stew in their losses, which, by the way, is at four in a row now. And, uh, and you just kind of hope, again, that that streak ends uh, Wednesday night in Morgantown. Nothing really new on the recruiting front just yet uh, from Oklahoma's big weekend of hosting uh, 2022 recruits and trying to, like, close that out on a strong move. Um, Nothing really big on the transfer portal either. Now, if you follow social media, various outlets reported over on Saturday that Caleb Williams had, in fact, packed up his stuff and has moved out of Norman, uh, basically affirming, not confirming, but affirming what we all pretty much thought that we knew already, which is that he's not coming back. To play for the University of Oklahoma, and that makes it Dylan Gabriel time. And, and again, I'm telling you, you need to jump on board and be excited about this. Dylan Gabriel's a baller. He, he's is he Kato Williams? No. But is can he win with this team? Absolutely. With a fan brace embrace fan brace, with a fan base, embrace him and love him. Yeah, I think they will. I think Dylan Gabriel's a guy that you could get two years out of. And that means it really doesn't matter what Jackson Dart does. Because if you get two years out of Dylan Gabriel, that, that means you've got time to, to groom Nick Evers or whoever else might come up naturally through the ranks. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I don't want Jackson Dart to come to Oklahoma. I'm just saying that that it's not do or die for Oklahoma and Jackson Dart. He's a good piece for the future, but the now, right the, the now is Dylan Gabriel. And Oklahoma fans, you need to get ready for for that. One, one quick note, though, on, on 2023 recruiting, and we'll really start turning the page there next month after National Signing Day, but Georgia's moving in on four-star running back uh, Trayvon Webb at Jacksonville, Florida prospect, had been thought to be leaning towards Oklahoma, had some crystal ball predictions that way, but over the weekend, two crystal ball uh, predictions came out from 24-7 sports that has Webb going to Georgia. So keep an eye on that because it looks like the Bulldogs the defending national champions are moving in on, uh, on Oklahoma's recruiting territory there. And and you know when you have a coaching change, everything's up for grabs. So Jeff Levy and company absolutely going to have to prove themselves here. All right. True or false is coming up. Rich sends me his questions. This go around, we'll take your questions uh, for the Thursday podcast. So You can hit us up At Twitter on uh, at Twitter on Twitter, I'm having a problem speaking. Apparently, on Twitter at Sports Heartland, on Twitter at Sports Heartland, Uh, you can hit us up with those questions later on in the week. But all five of these are coming from Rich, and we got that coming up right now. All right, true or false time, it's when uh, we get a statement and we say whether it's true or it's false, and we tell you why we feel the way we feel about it. And we're going to start out with uh, all five of these coming from Rich, uh, his way to participate in the podcast while I'm traveling. Uh, We want to make sure he gets his two cents in here. So here we go. Number one from Rich, uh, true or false, wait, yeah, true or false, With all the Jackson Dart news swirling, the quarterback remains uncommitted to any university. However, fans need to pump the brakes as OU will not add another quarterback to the roster for 22. Um, No, I think that's false. I I think uh, not only do I think that they will add a quarterback to the roster, I still think there's a good chance that that quarterback is Jackson Dart. Um, And even if it's not, it's down between Oklahoma and Ole Miss for Jackson dart. And that's not anything that's breaking news. That's information that's been out there for a little bit of time, but I think Jackson darts playing the game. And I think we're waiting for the dominoes to fall. We're waiting for Caleb Williams to make his announcement where he's going to end up. And then you just see what follows uh, suit from there. But even if it's not Jackson dart, I would expect Oklahoma to pick up a quarterback over the summer. I, I really think that, uh, the, when you look at this roster it's obviously it's it's working on being retooled and and Jeff Levy, you know Jeff, when you look at what he's dealing with uh, with the current roster you lose Spencer Rattler you lose most likely Caleb Williams and then you know in the past recently you have lost guys like Tanner Mordecai you've lost Eric uh a say Eric Gray but um, I'm blanking on the name, Chandler Morris, thank you, uh, whoever willed that name to me. Uh, you lose those guys, this this quarterback roster needs to add some guys, because you're looking at Micah Bowens being there, uh, Caleb Williams, you know, obviously he's gone, uh, you got Ben Harris, you got Ralph Rucker, um, but you, you got to add some, um, man, I, I hate to... I know how bad this is going to sound, but you got to add some clout, some star power here. Uh, I think Micah Bowens, he's a redshirt freshman, and I I think there's still a lot of potential upside to what a guy like that could do in this system that Jeff Levy's putting together. But, no, I I really expect there to be new quarterbacks on this roster, more than just Nick Evers, more than just, um, you know, Dylan Gabriel. I think there's going to be a third one, be it Jackson Dart or somebody else. I would be shocked if Oklahoma goes into fall camp uh, with uh, basically Dylan Gabriel, Ralph Rucker, and, and Micah Bowens. I, I, don't, I don't see how that happens. But again, uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm going to say this is false. Oklahoma does add at least one more quarterback to this roster before the 2022 season gets underway. Uh, number two, from Rich, uh, with a long list of transfers out of Oklahoma, the Sooners ended up with a net loss despite laying in a few key components from the portal themselves. Um, I think, again, I'm going to go false here. Let's see if I can do this by memory. Um, you know, not counting guys like Bray Walker who – Jumped into the portal and, and then jumped back out. You know, Jaden Hazelwood is gone. Spencer Rattler obviously gone. Austin Stogner's gone with Spencer Rattler. Uh, Caleb Williams is gone. Um, but then you start looking at some of the guys that that OU OU retained, um, like like a Theo Weiss, like a Bray Walker. Um, obviously, I guess I forgot about Mario Williams. Uh, that that's another big one that's that's gone. But but when you when you look at what Oklahoma landed particularly on the defensive side of the ball now your big name right now is going to be Dylan Gabriel I mean that that's the big one uh, that that's going to kind of get everybody's attention he's the one that everyone's going to know about but Oklahoma they they beefed up their defensive line through the transfer portal and that was huge because you you're losing guys in that middle of that defensive line you're, you're losing uh, you're, you're losing Perry on Winfrey, you know, from the middle. You're losing Isaiah Thomas from the edge. You're losing Nick Benito from, on the rush linebacker. And so you, you land the, the big guy. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, the, the Hawaiian, Jonah. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, you, you land him. Uh, you land the guy from Tulane. Uh, I, I don't know how much you get out of TD Roof from Appalachian State, Ted Roof's son, uh, but Jeffrey Johnson, the guy I'm telling you about from Tulane. Um, and – and so you, you've got guys in there uh, that, you're, that you're landing at, at needs are, that are really more critical. And, and, and I know, and that doesn't even count about what what's happening in that secondary with, with the guys, uh, uh, Keanu Walker from Louisville. You got the guy, uh, the Colden kid from Wyoming. So here's the point I'm making. Star Power, the, the biggest name, the two biggest names really, that hit the transfer portal, they left Oklahoma. That's Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. And so if you're just going from like star power, in, in other words, you you're going by name recognition. Oklahoma is on the short end of that stick. But if you're going by if you're going by what do you need? I think Oklahoma did really well. And I'm not. That's not a sugarcoat thing. Dylan Gabriel. I've said this so many times, and I think for a lot of people, it's just gonna it's just gonna you're gonna have to wait till September to watch it on the field. But this kid's a baller. He played less than three full seasons at UCF, and he he has over eight thousand passing yards in less than three seasons. The kid can play football. Oklahoma got a quarterback. They needed a quarterback. They got a quarterback. You get the tight end, the, the Daniel Parker kid from Missouri. He's going to replace what you lose in in Austin Stogner. And I, I thought that I thought that the ceiling was high for Austin Stogner, but really he's a kid that hadn't ever really maxed out his potential yet. And so wh- I mean, when you look at what you're what you're getting with Parker, what you're losing in the Stogner, I would almost say that's a wash. But when you look at offense in the big 12, you look at offense across the landscape. What do you need? You need offensive linemen. Oklahoma has that. You need skill position players. Oklahoma already has that. You need powerful running backs. Oklahoma already has that. And you need a trigger man. And that's what Oklahoma got out of the transfer portal in Dylan Gabriel. They got their trigger man. But on the defensive side of the ball, you you gotta have you gotta win the point of attack. How many times have you heard us say over the course of this podcast that you have to win at the point of attack? And, and when you're losing guys like Oklahoma lost on this defensive line and really the front seven because you got throw Brian Asamoah in there. Oklahoma had to address those issues. Those were more pertinent issues for Oklahoma to address in the transfer portal than really anything else. And I think they did it and they did it nicely. I I think they succeeded there. So I don't think I'm willing to jump in here and say Oklahoma lost in the transfer portal, unless you're just talking about star power. But I I will, I mean, look, if if I'm wrong, the season is going to play it out for me, but I will stand on the heel and I will fight for the fact that Dylan Gabriel has three years of college football experience Kenneth Williams has one. Dylan Gabriel has two years in Jeff Levy's offense. Kenneth Williams has none. So where Kenneth Williams might have the higher ceiling, everyone's stuck on that. But let's talk about the right now that you get out of Dylan Gabriel. And and, and here's the thing that a lot of people, they're just, they don't remember is what it is. But you get stuck on the fact, well, he played for UCF. He played in the American Conference or whatever, you know? But are we forgetting the fact that Josh Heupel played at Snow Junior College and then came to Oklahoma and won a national championship? And wouldn't we all agree that UCF is definitely on a higher level than Snow Junior College? So I think we need to back off of the frustrations of Caleb Williams leaving and jump on the fact that Oklahoma does have a seasoned veteran experienced, and talented quarterback that will take the field in September of 2022. And I think the transfer portal gives and it takes away. I think worst case scenario for Oklahoma this year in the transfer portal, I think worst case scenario, it's a wash. But you add Jackson Dart. And you're probably definitely 100% in the plus, even in the worst-case scenario. Moving on, Gentry Williams has remained committed since October before signing uh, the crew wanted to meet uh, Coach Jay in person. Such an opportunity was presented this weekend, so here we go. True or false, Oklahoma should expect a letter of intent from Williams this week. Um, so I'm going to say false just on the technicality here because I don't think Williams is signing until February. And and this week uh, clearly is we're starting the the last full week of January. I think uh, we, we talked about Gentry Williams in our, our last episode and the fact that he did want to see what Brent Venables did as far as putting his staff together. He wanted to kind of weigh all of his options. Um, He was on campus over the weekend. Um, And I, I just think that he's, he's true to his word He's going to wait until the actual national signing day to sign his letter of intent. But there has been nothing from Gentry Williams to this point that would lead you to believe that he has decommitted from the University of Oklahoma. And, and I know Oklahoma has been strung along in the past by, by guys who don't sign in the early signing period or they just hold on and hold on and hold on. And they don't really make a commitment, but they're saying, yeah, I'm going to be there. And then at the very last minute... You lose him to Alabama or, or, or whatever. I don't know that there's been the warning signs there for Gentry Williams to make it uh, to make it a, such of a situation where you would worry about that. He's been very open about the process. He remains committed to the University of Oklahoma, and I think um, I think yeah, by National Signing Day, you'll see Gentry Williams added to this 2022 class, and uh, I got no problems with that. Uh, but on the technicality. I don't know that's going to come in the next week, in the next seven days. I think it's probably going to come in the next week and a half, maybe. Uh, We can go there if you you want to extend that out, Rich. Uh, Moving on to number four, uh, true or false, fans should be confident in Brent Venable's ability to lead this program to the SEC, not just to be competitive, but to reach the SEC title game early on. And it may just be the fan in me here, guys. But I think this is a true. I, I, think, I think it's true, and, and I'll tell you two reasons why. Um, and and they're, they have to deal with, number one, who Brent Venables is. He, he's a coach that, yeah, it's his first time to be the head guy uh, at the helm of a program. But if you look at his track record, he was successful at Kansas State. He was successful at Oklahoma, winning a national championship there. He was successful at Clemson. Um, you, I, I guess you could say he was uber successful at Clemson. And, and you look at Oklahoma, conference championships, national championship. You look at Clemson, conference championships, national championships. The guy knows what it's like to be a part of a winning uh, program he knows the, the ins and outs of what you need to do both physically with your team and mentally with your team. And so I think even though he's a first year head coach, when you look again at the track record and you look how he's been built and how he has prepared for this position so far, it's been nothing but positive, right? So far, there's been zero reasons, zero reasons to to doubt brent venables and doubt his ability now let let me let me give you a good example of what i'm talking about let's compare brent venables to steve Sarkeesian, right so brent venables puts his staff together and he puts his staff together of of really quality high named individuals right jeff way high up there, offensive philosophy. Ted Roof, been around the game for a long time, has so many inroads in recruiting in SEC territory. And just down the line, okay? And it's been, it's you look at every coaching hire and you can see how they fit within what Brent Venables is trying to do with this program. You, you know, hey, this guy's not just an offensive coordinator, but he's an offensive coordinator who really takes the role of that quarterback guru that you lost in Lincoln Riley. Well, this guy's a defensive coordinator, but he's not just a, a defensive coordinator, but he's a defensive coordinator that has, has so many connections through SEC territory that he's going to kind of help pave the way as you go into recruit the SEC country. So you, I, along the way, you see, and even the, the position coaches down, you can connect the dots all the way through, right? Compare that over to, to Steve Sarkeesian. One of the very first things he wanted to do was hire Mike Stoops as his defensive coordinator. Now, remember, Steve Sarkisian came from Alabama. Mike Stoops spent time in Alabama, and Sark wanted to bring Stoops with him. And then he had, Sark had a group of boosters above him saying, no, there's no way you're going to do that. It's not going to happen. And so it wasn't the administration. It was the boosters who nixed Sark's decision to hire Mike Stoops as a defensive coordinator. And so right there, before he even coaches a game, you've got red flags. Before before the Longhorns step on the field for the beginning of the Sarkeesian era, you got people out there questioning the coaching staff. Uh, you, you know, and, and it goes down to some things that were set up Media Day and so forth. You've got none of that from Brent Venables to this point. Now it's only been a month, but so far, nothing but just positive coming out of Brent Venables. So yeah, I, I think he's the guy. And I, I think this team's gonna compete. And and I, I said this in the last podcast. I think Oklahoma upgraded its coaching staff. So, th- yes, this is an SEC style staff, and they're going they're gonna build an SEC style team to compete. And that, I it wouldn't surprise me to see them compete for championships early. I, nothing has changed. I said this when Lincoln Riley was at the helm. When you look at Oklahoma and Texas going into the SEC, Texas is going into the SEC for name recognition, Texas wants to be in the SEC for branding. The SEC wants Texas for eyeballs and and also for branding. Oklahoma is going into the SEC, not just for a brand, not just for recognition, but Oklahoma is going into the SEC for, for competition. You're getting competition with Oklahoma. You're, you're getting eyeballs with Texas. And now Oklahoma, I believe, is going to be even better suited than what they were under Lincoln Riley for this transition. So emphatically, I'm going to say this is true. So the last one from Rich says this, regardless of what happens in Norman, the road to the Big 12 title now runs through Waco. True or false? I don't see how you can say this isn't true. I mean, what would... I just said about Brent Venables building an SEC-style coaching staff and an SEC-style team. Dave Aranda's already done that in Waco. Baylor is ahead of Oklahoma and prepping for the SEC, and Baylor's not even going to the SEC. And I I think you get um, a caveat here if you're an Oklahoma fan. Because that game against Baylor in 2022 will be in Norman. So you can say, no, 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 no. Maybe it goes through Baylor, but the road goes through Norman because Baylor comes to Norman to play. So I'll, I'll let you have that. But I do believe, hands down, I believe that Baylor will be the top team going in to the 2022 season. I think they're number one. I think Oklahoma... Um, depending on what Oklahoma State returns, uh, you know, the, the, you're go, they're going to be there 2-3. Texas is always going to be in the conversation. But clearly, Baylor's returning a lot, and this is the team that kind of came out of nowhere. But I've, I said this about Oklahoma for six years. Once you're the king of the conference, somebody has to unseat you for you to no longer be king of the conference. And so... Just as we would have expected an Oklahoma team that returns a lot of people had they been Big 12 champions, as we would expect them to be the front runners going into next season. I don't see why you wouldn't expect that from a Baylor team that is loaded and had a lot of success in 2021. So that's going to wrap it up for this quick edition of the Sooner Nation podcast. Again, you can find us every day on the internet, heartland-sports.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at SportsHeartland. We'd we'll love to hear back from you. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Boomer Sooner.